Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. You may be seated. Today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 4:25 to 5:2. So then, putting away falsehood, let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not make room for the devil. Thieves must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor and work honestly with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which, with which you were marked with the seal for the day of redemption." Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The word of God for the people of God. Here's the thing about studying the Bible and reading it and digesting it and hearing it is that usually you can find that everyone has something to say about the content or the context or the history or the form or the style or the authorship of every book, every sentence in the Bible. You can find sermons and sermon illustrations, stories and studies on almost everything because Everything has a context, and everyone has an opinion. But sometimes, however, when the words hit you like a ton of bricks, as the scripture from Ephesians does this morning, you don't need commentaries. You need to hear the words again. And then you need to think about how you're receiving or claiming these words in your life. For example, when we hear the letter to the Ephesians this morning, are we glad to hear them because, aha, we finally have those verses that we are looking for to put someone else in their place? Or do we take the time to realize that the words that we hear are the ones that I need to hear? I think it all makes the difference in the world as to how we receive and how we hear God's word whether we use it to go after our enemies or whether we use it to soften our hearts. I think there's a time and a place for both, but I think it's also worth asking, with which do you start? When Paul writes, there is indeed a context and a larger context of the letter to the Ephesians. The gift of God in Christ has been brought about and it has begun to reconcile the Jews and the Gentiles together, creating one community which the author describes as Christ's body in the first two chapters and builds from there. And Paul uses that metaphor of the language throughout Ephesians, which reminds the readers 
the hearers, the church, that we are all members of one another. And then Paul goes on to emphasize what is useful for building up. And we come to find that the behavior of the faithful should reflect the grace of God in Christ and should benefit the community as a whole. And the instructions that we hear this morning focus on the power of speech, the words that we say. And the writer is cautioning us about anger. In verse 26, the author quotes Psalm chapter 4, verse 4, which says, Be angry, but do not sin. And this phrasing is not meant as an exhortation to anger, but it's more conditional. In other words, if you are angry, do not sin. Because we don't always take the time to realize anger is a normal part of our human experience. But anger is also a temptation for sin. It's an occasion for, as the author in Ephesians writes, to make room for the devil. And the solution is the limitation of anger. When we hear, do not let the sun go down on your anger, because living with anger for an extended period of time likely leads to sin. In the later verse, the writer uses five different words that all indicate some variety of anger, perhaps in an order that suggests escalation of that anger. Bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, all in verse 31. And all these are to be put away as all represent a threat to the growth of the body of Christ. But the church, and not just this church, but God's church, Christ's church, often has difficulty teaching about anger. I didn't want to talk about this verse today, which is probably an indication that it's worth talking about. This passage and others sound an important cautionary note about the effects of anger on the community, but too often the message that we receive or that we proclaim from our pulpits is that anger should not be experienced or it should not be expressed or it should be swallowed or ignored. And the irony in all this is that while we are trying to act like good Christians and to not be angry, Anger goes underground and festers and creates more serious problems for ourselves. And the results are easy to spot, but they're hard to fix on our own. Because what starts as a small incident over time lingers for years because of anger. And that anger is never expressed or confronted. And the situation applies to individuals in the body of Christ as well as conflict between groups. Because pastors and other leaders in the church, we often exacerbate the problem by skirting around the issue in order to avoid conflict ourselves. And the peace that results is not rightly called peace. And so we come to these words in Ephesians again to correct this. And in the opening words from our scripture lesson this morning, we hear the words, let all of us speak truth to our neighbors. 
And that's the theme, the thread that runs throughout Ephesians, speaking the truth in love, let us grow up in every way into Him who is the head in Christ. We hear that earlier in Ephesians in the 15th chapter, the fourth, or the 15th verse, the fourth chapter. Speaking the truth in love can be a healing strategy in a situation of anger because such speech identifies the situation and what it's calling for, what it's calling others to give account for giving voice to feelings and confessing our own participation in a wrongdoing. And when anger is the framework for such truth-telling, the division of the body often results. But when love is what guides us in telling the truth, then we can have a healing result. And even situations that seem unpardonable, or unforgivable, sometimes begin to be transformed. But it still comes as a shock to us, those of us in the church, when true transformation happens, because we would rather use these words against another until we beat them down so much that they submit. But that's not the business that God is in, because God wants to see lives transformed. A year ago, Ken Parker joined hundreds of other white nationalists at a Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. That day, he wore a black shirt with two lightning bolts sewn onto his collar, the uniform of the National Socialist Movement, an American neo-Nazi group. In the past 12 months, his beliefs and his path have been radically changed by the people he has met since the violent clash of white nationalists and counter-protesters led to the death of Heather Heyer, who was 32 years old. Now, Ken looks at the shirt he wore that day, laid out in his apartment in Jacksonville, and sees it as a relic from a white nationalist past he has left behind. As he lays out more paraphernalia in his living room coffee table, Parker's cramped apartment starts to look like a museum not just of the modern hate movement, but of his life for the past six years. He picks up a green robe from his time as a grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, a title he earned by recruiting new members. First in Georgia, where he lived after joining the Klan in 2012, and now in Florida. Parker said he felt the need to be in Charlottesville on August 12, 2017 to stand up for my white race. It was thinly veiled as an effort to save our monuments, to save our heritage, he said about the rally, but we knew when we went in there that it was going to turn into a racially heated situation that wasn't going to work out for good, but we went anyway. But for Parker, the day ended in a different path. Because hours before Heather Heyer's death, he and his group of neo-Nazis headed back to the parking garage to regroup after the rally was declared an unlawful assembly. There, he met a filmmaker, Dia Khan, who was filming the event for a documentary on hate groups called White Right, Meeting the Enemy. And he recalls Khan's kindness in the moments of his own weakness. Parker says, I had heat exhaustion after the rally because we wore our black uniforms and I didn't drink any water and I was hurting and she was trying to make sure I was okay. In the film, 
Parker is still unabashedly racist, vehemently stating his hatred for Jews and gay people and people of color. But as he interacted with Khan, the filmmaker, more, his proclamations became less certain. And then over the next few months, he started having doubts. She was completely respectful to me and my fiance the whole time, he says of the filmmaker. And so that kind of got me thinking, she's really a nice lady, just because she's got darker skin and believes in a God that's more loving than the God I believe in, why am I hating these people? A few months later, Parker was still weighing these doubts when he saw an African-American neighbor having a cookout near the pool of his apartment complex. And as the sun set and the crowd thinned, Parker and his then-girlfriend approached the man, William McKinnon III, a pastor at All Saints Holiness Church. Parker didn't know that McKinnon was a pastor, but he knew that there was something different about him. They sat down, McKinnon recalls, of Parker and his girlfriend, and she said they had some questions for me, and I just asked them what were some of their questions they had. They kept talking and decided to meet up for more discussions, and soon after, McKinnon invited Parker to the church's Easter service on April 17th, six years after he joined the Klan and seven months after Charlottesville. That's when Parker decided that he'd had enough. And a month after that, he stood before the African-American congregation at his new home church and testified. He said that I was a grand dragon of the KKK, And then the Klan wasn't hateful enough for me, so I decided to become a Nazi. And a lot of them, the members of the congregation's jaws hit the floor and their eyes got really big, Parker recalls. But after the service, everyone came up and welcomed him into the congregation. And then on July 21st, wearing a different kind of robe, Parker waded into the Atlantic Ocean, surrounded by members of that church, as McKinnon embraced him and gave him new life through the baptism waters found in Christ Jesus. And he rose up, blinking and wiping water from his face, and walked toward a line of fellow congregants and hugged them all, soaking with that salt water. This past week, Parker took off his shirt at the Laser Skin Solution Company Tattoo Removal Clinic in Jacksonville, revealing the Klan symbol in a swastika, on his chest and his back, and on his left arm, a Confederate flag with the words white pride underneath. I want to say I'm sorry, and I do apologize, Parker says when asked about all the people he has hurt along the way. I know I've spread hate and discontent through this city immensely, probably made little kids scared to sleep in their own beds and the neighborhoods. And this former neo-Nazi says he started to get messages from people in the hate movement. But instead of recruiting them, he invites them to follow the same path that he did. Saying, you can definitely get out of this movement. I mean, I was into it so much. It was my life for six whole years. I never thought I would get out. And Parker says, get out. You're throwing your life away. And we get surprised when God changes the hearts and minds of people. Because our ultimate call is to imitate both God and Christ in our lives, whose love has been central to the message of the Ephesians. 
But even with the transformative effects and the love of God, the writer recognizes that sin does not disappear. It is there wherever we turn. The temptation for it, the temptation to get angry, the temptation to lash out. So we come to the words from Ephesians and say, well, Paul's just trying to limit my freedom. Paul's giving us rules to follow that will draw us closer to Christ and closer to one another. Imagine a politician who put off predictable rhetoric and put on truth-telling. Imagine a parent who moved from compulsive anger to gentleness. Imagine a corporate criminal who made restitution and shared generously with others. Or imagine someone with a public voice, a public forum, who realized how badly their raunchy lyrics degrade others. Who would not want to live in a society where bitterness, rage, anger, slander, and every form of malice were the exceptions and where kindness, compassion, and forgiveness ruled the day? Jesus puts us on that journey where our dreams can become a reality, at least in part. So what are your dreams for true community? Do they start with someone else taking the first step, or does it begin with us taking the first step in our lives? Do we take Ephesians out into the world to divide and conquer for Christ? Perhaps, but only once we've gotten our hearts right with Christ in the first place. Because that's what we do in community. That's what we do in covenant and relationship with one another. Sometimes it feels like we need to go in secret to the other person. But we do so in love. And we do so in relationship. Because God is in relationship with us. Which means that we are in relationship with other. And it means that we are never alone. Thanks be to God when we allow God to be God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.